Hello and welcome to episode 398 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and here, um, it's just barely 2024, and we're going to talk about a game that we last discussed on this podcast in 2018. So after almost six years, we're bringing back Super Mario RPG for our main discussion topic, for reasons that should be abundantly clear to anyone that follows our RPG releases. Um, Mario RPG got a very, very shiny new remaster for the Switch in November, I think, and uh, myself and two others an RPG fan played it right when it came out and would love to discuss it on the podcast. The other two are Zach Wilkerson. Hello. And Jimmy Turner. Hi there. Uh, Jimmy and Zach, uh, let's talk about our, you know, backgrounds playing Mario RPG a little bit. I'll I'll go first. Um, I, I think when I played this game in 2018 for the podcast, it was my first replay in like in like 10 or 15 years. Because I, I was doing the math earlier, I think I've played Mario RPG once each decade. <laughs> I played it. Uh, I borrowed a friend's copy in the '90s sometime, uh, and then I remembered calling him on the phone for help with the uh, pirate ship puzzle, because embarrassingly, Oyster is uh, fits the categories, but not like one of the categories. It's whatever. I, I was mad that Oyster didn't work. Um, then in the nine in the two thousands, when I was playing and replaying all the SNES RPGs on emulators, I I did replay Mario RPG then. Then in 2018 for the podcast, and now in late 2023, I played it again, um, this time in the remake. And, you know, um, my uh, feelings on it are have always been positive. Like, this game is mechanically rich. It doesn't really look or feel like any other uh, Super Nintendo RPG of the time. Um, the story is charming. There's a, there's a lot to love about this game. Uh, this is a an, an excellent Yoko Shimomura soundtrack. Uh, I think I think it was for second Square Enix one after Live Alive, but don't um don't don't hold me to that one. And I, I again I, I have uh, a lot of positive nostalgia about this game, and I remembered even uh, uh, liking it a lot when I replayed it in 2018, and I still like this game a lot. But I have maybe a few more complaints slash head scratching parts um this time around, but we'll get to that uh, later. Um, Jimmy, how did you find? super mario rpg over the years and i'm assuming this is not your first time playing the game and what are your impressions on the remake it's definitely not my first time playing it um i it wasn't my first rpg but it was one of the handful of first ones um really before i knew what a rpg was um you know i kind of what mario rpg what is that and then oh okay so that's like that's what final fantasy is so these are role-playing games i didn't really understand back then games were just games to me back then um and mario rpg having the actual rpg in the title is when i really first started to understand um that those were the kind of games that i really liked and um i've probably beaten it about three times over the years and then this year um, in preparation for this i actually played through the original and then played through the remake um, almost back to back and i played with my kids so I got kind of a new, fresh perspective on it from a different um, generation. So, oh, that's fascinating. Now, I I know that you have um, four kids that are different ages. Um, I remember from the uh, uh, edutainment episode we did several months ago. Um, but but uh, how how did your kids find it? Um. So the my seven year old and um, the thirteen year old were the two that. Um, made it through both playthroughs and still um, really enjoyed it. Um, I think the my oldest was a little kind of kind of got bored. Um, didn't want to go through essentially 
well, we'll get to differences and similarities and the remake to the original. Um, don't want to spoil anything, but so two of them really enjoyed it. Um, the other two kind of maybe not so much. Great. Okay. And um, now, Zach, uh, I, I know you didn't play this with uh, with with children, but you might have played it with a partner and or a cat. Uh, how did you find um, Mario <laughs> RPG this time around? Uh, well, my, uh, my my partner actually reviewed it for another site, so I kind of saw her playing through it a little bit before I did. But um, um, this is my only my second time through the game. Uh, I played it basically on release, uh, maybe within six months of release. Uh, so I was going to be like 11, 12 years old when I played it. And I remember absolutely loving it. Like it and like there are so many things about it that were novel, I think, at the time that are less novel to us now, like playing as Bowser and I party just seemed like the coolest thing um, and the timing mechanics, which I'm sure we'll get more into. I thought were really great, um, but I had never really I had never revisited it. Um, and I only played like a couple of other Mario related RPGs uh it just it, it's never happened for whatever reason i've never replayed it and so i was excited to come back to it and i agree with you uh slow c i think there are some cracks uh here that maybe uh later barrier rpgs don't have um and definitely some issues that i have with it but overall it's just like a fun light breezy um just like a, a delightful little experience cracks in the veneer i don't i do not want to start this podcast uh overly negative so so i won't um i'm following up on one thing that jimmy said a little while ago that this was um one of jimmy's introductions to rpgs my introduction to rpgs was a little earlier i mean all three of us are around the same age but at a sleepover i played uh final fantasy 4 with some friends and that was my first rpg i was fascinated by it I i had read fantasy stories but not really played a game with that was so story driven with uh uh with characters and dialogue like that so that um, really kickstarted me into um, playing all the RPGs I can find after playing FF4. But so I, w- I was into RPGs already a little bit when Super Mario RPG came out in 1996. And it blew my mind a little bit that, uh, oh, the Final Fantasy guys are making a Mario RPG. What the hell is this? So uh, and I was, you know, exactly the right age and time of my life to be as excited as possible for it. And so I played it, like parts of it at a friend's house. And then he lent me his copy after he beat the game. And that's how I played it for the first time. So uh, maybe that was unnecessary. But uh, but I really do feel that Mario RPG is one of the highlights of that incredible run of 1990s uh, Square RPGs that got in me into the genre and were my favorite kind of game for many years. But uh, we're, we're, um, today we're going to be focusing on the remake. I know the, uh, the episode is Mario RPG Revisited. And Jimmy, uh, you are a true hero for playing uh, the original and then the remake back to back. I was uh, I was not interested in doing that, but I'm uh, I, I was very down to play this remake. Um, and the one thing that uh, struck me at first, I mean, this game this game's beautiful for a lot of reasons, and we'll we'll talk about that. But this is almost exactly the same game that I remember, like the the direction of the cutscenes, the just every environment, every character model, every line of dialogue. There is a, there is some retranslated stuff and some name changes, none of which are uh, hugely uh, impactful, I think. But uh, this is basically the same game. Um, did uh, Jimmy? Did you notice maybe more uh, more minute differences uh, other than other than combat and gameplay related? Because we want to get into those later. But uh, like the. The, the bones in the meat of the game felt almost identical to me. Did you have the similar feeling? Oh yeah. I don't think I've ever played a remake. Um, that was this like spot on to the original. And I thought maybe it was just because I, the 
original was so fresh in my mind. But even when I played through the original um, before I played through the remake, I don't I don't tend to have the greatest memory with games that I haven't played for a decade or so. But I had the same similar feelings. It's like it's like I'd played it, you know, a week ago. It was just everything is so even like all this whole soundtrack, just everything about it. I don't, for some reason, it's it was just like so fresh in my mind the whole time. Now, Zach, your memory probably isn't as fresh as Jimmy's, but, uh, <laughs> Not but, at but all. <laughs> yeah, but, but this was, I mean, uh, this was the same game I remembered. Was the same case for you? Yeah, I, I there were like sequences where I was like, oh, I remember this. And like visually, even though obviously it looks and we'll talk more about this. Well, it it, it looks very different and much cleaner and, you know, all the 3Dness of it. But it still like felt the same. Like uh, I know people this is a tired uh thing that people say that like octopath feels the way the games felt but before but like like to me <laughs> yeah. it's like literally like to me I, I was like this just looks the way i remember it looking <laughs> I'm, I'm worried i i made that exact octopath traveler 2 comment last week on the podcast <laughs> you might have but, <laughs> but if I, you're right i mean I, I i i've said the thing before i get it i agree with you <laughs> But in this case, I think it's applicable because it really did like I remember like we we're outside the tower and Bowser joins you for whatever reason, like that's stuck in my memory. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I remember this exact like sort of diorama. Um, so, yeah, I think it's cool for that. And a couple things like there's no voice dialogue in this game. And in the original, the only character noises that would make were uh, um, Bowser's sort of grunt. That, that that sounded I don't know, I don't know it sounded like a like an, a 16 bit motorcycle engine revving or something. Um uh, but they replaced that with sort of more modern Bowser's uh, Bowser uh, growls and sounds. So and uh, and uh, maybe the the biggest difference to me in terms of the story and name changes are that um, uh, Princess Toadstool wasn't really being called Peach at this time. That was a I think the first time we really started calling her Peach in North America was with Mario sixty four, which came out around the same time as this game. So this was like this was maybe the the bridge game or a bridge game where we stopped calling her princess toadstool and started calling her peach. So having her now be peach when I always remember her as princess from the original version was a, uh, n not, not jarring, but just, just one difference that I, that I noticed quite uh, strongly, but, but yeah, this, um, the, the story is basically unchanged, totally feels the same. And even the movements feel the same. Like, some things were smoother like i like when you jump on one of the spinning flowers it's more of a 360 directional thing and not an eight-way directional thing the animations are smoother but even just the attacking and jumping timing felt the same um uh 20 years ago i could never get more than 11 or 12 super jumps and and in 2023 i could only get 11 or 12 super jumps because i was timing that attack the same way and still haven't quite mastered it yet uh, but yeah, yeah, the story is the same and, and the action felt the same. Did you, um, I mean, I mean, uh, with some things aside, like animations and maybe more expressive sprites, uh, uh, Jimmy, did the, did the basics of moving in combat feel the same between the two versions for you? Yeah, they were very, very similar. It's funny though, the Toadstool thing I was going to mention because that, that threw my seven-year-old off uh, right away. Like who is Princess Toadstool, who is Princess Toadstool and why does she look like Peach? I mean... She's been Princess Peach very, very clearly since Mario 64. But until then, she was Princess Toadstool. And this is, I, I mean, I'm not going to check a list of evidence, but this feels like the last game or one of the last games where she was called that uh, regularly. 
I mentioned the combat feeling the same. There's also not really anything new to the combat. I, these are uh, the attack timings and the skills are all identical. And uh, the new skills that they add to the game, the triple attacks, don't have timing requirements. So, uh, and and the new weapons that they add uh, at the end of the game are just um, reskins of other weapons. Maybe Geno's is a little different, but uh, Mario, I'm sorry, Mallow's is just another stick, and Bowser's is another chain chomp. So I don't think they had to, they did much in the way of new content that made the, like the button pressing different. Uh, and which is important because this is one of the games that really originated timed button presses in RPGs. It was um, practically the signature thing in uh, the original Mario RPG. It was, uh, you you had A, B, X, Y with the different commands associated with each button and um and timing button presses would enhance attacks and special attacks, and it could be used defensively. And I, I still call it Mario RPG combat, even when I'm playing uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, yeah. <laughs> which, I, which I also replayed recently. My, um, um, my girlfriend and I were slowly playing that game over the course of 2023, and we just recently finished it just before New Year's. It's interesting, too, because like the timing system here worked so well, and it, it's not always not always like that nowadays like i think about something like crease tales which i really liked as a video game and it tried to use the super mario rpg timing stuff and it just was not fluid it didn't work um and they give you some other crutches in this game for the timing but i remember in the original even it just always felt right like if i screwed up it, it was my fault and it felt it, it always felt like it was the timing was on 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 par with what it should be although the 60 fps messed me up a little bit here sometimes but yeah yeah, and I mean, even games like Sea of Stars, which made a big splash in 2023, I, th- I think of timed button press as Mario RPG combat. And um, unless there's an exception that I'm not aware of, every single Mario RPG since, every game in the Paper Mario and Mario and Luigi sub- subseries uses timed button presses um, very, very heavily. Uh, I mean, maybe except for Super Paper Mario, which was more of a straight action game. Yeah, I, I think of that as signature to Mario RPGs as a larger franchise. And uh, sadly, I, I mean, maybe this is uh, editorializing a little bit. Uh, I think Mario RPGs could use a win right about now because they were getting pretty disappointing over the 2010s. Like, I, I don't think there's a lot of people that'll, that are going to go to bat for Paper Jam or Color Splash as the best Mario RPG. I, I, I did hear that um, Origami King was pretty good. Uh, a couple years ago, and I never played that one, unfortunately. So, like, for uh, them to really go back into the well and give us a shiny, beautiful remake of Mario RPG, I, I think was, you know, a, a way to make this available to a, not- a new audience and also just remind people of how good these have been since the beginning, roughly. Although, if, if I'm if I'm being real, I think my favorite Mario RPG, RPG is uh, Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. Which is also getting a remake next year. I, oh boy, I, I would love to play. I haven't played that game in at least 10 years. Um, That might be a future episode of Retro Encounter because I really like the Thousand Year Door. Uh, and uh, and I, I like most of the Mario and Luigi games, but I uh, even I couldn't get very far into Paper Jam. But uh, but 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 yeah, this um, the combat feels the same. The story is basically identical um, with a, a few aside from a few changes like like Toadstool is now Peach and uh, Mac is now Clay Morton. Um, and, and, uh, and the environments and enemies all felt the same. I, I think, uh, the one thing that felt the most different, um, is related to gameplay changes and which we will talk about like very, very soon. 
Um, this game was not very challenging in 1996. I, th I think it was beatable to most RPG Neo fights that, you know, can uh, that, that can still, you know, play a video game competent competently. But this game felt so much easier to me now. And I don't think it's just because I've played it multiple times. Um, I, I uh, things like I, I, I think that enemy stats have remained the same. But the gameplay changes that make you much stronger had me really just tearing through things uh, like I, I was able to beat a couple bosses on the second turn a couple times, which feels in, which feels wrong. Um, I was able to beat Kulex, the hidden boss, at level 16 when I remembered every guide saying wait until level 20 to fight Kulex way back in the day. And uh, and, and these are because of a, just a couple changes, like um, the combo system, increasing your stats if you get a bunch of time hits in a row, uh, where like you'll start dealing more than double damage once you're into the, say, tens or teens in combo count. And... Uh, um, things like switching out characters uh, in battle uh, with no with no turn penalty, um, so uh, which is makes it way easier to survive, especially because you can switch out a fallen character easily. But also you can like you can switch Mallow in and out whenever you want when there's an enemy weakness, or uh, if if there's a, a a big attacking enemy, you can switch in uh, Bowser or whoever has the lazy shell equipped to be sort of a tank. Um, because they give you, and, and also there was a really limited inventory in Mario RPG where I think you could only hold something like 24 or 30 items. Uh, now there's, uh, now there's unlimited number of inventory items with only, uh, caps for certain items. Like I think you can carry a max of 10 mushrooms, but you can have 10 of each kind of mushroom easily for no penalty. And, um, but, and instead of adding a challenge mode or something similar, they added an easier mode so you can play the game normally, which is easier than it was in 1996 or an easier mode that I, I think probably makes the game at a, a, a I don't I don't like using this terminology, sort of a extremely casual or breezy difficulty. So am, am I crazy? Maybe I, I'm too in, deep into this because I play I play a lot of RPGs. I'm very experienced with video games. I'm I'm, I'm decent at them. It, it, uh, did this game feel a little too easy? Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, I uh, I was basically like beelining, and was maybe a little under leveled for the very final boss uh, for Smithy, and I struggled maybe a tiny bit there, but I still didn't die. Um, like I had to like switch my characters in and out, which happens immediately. Like if your party wipes, like you just get the next two characters up immediately. So like your party doesn't really wipe until they go out. Um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, I, that like the the additional stats that you get. Um, if you went into a fight, cause you can carry them between fights as well. So you can start the fight with those additional stats and you're just wailing on the boss immediately, like buff up with Gino and then just obliterate the boss. Um, it, it definitely felt a, a little easy. And like, even without the triple attacks, which, you know, they're useful, but not like incredibly powerful. It's really that buff that I think really makes the hugest difference. Uh, and it, and it, it's weird because it, like it rewards you for being good at the game. It's like, oh, you're good at timing attacks and like uh, not taking damage because you're able to block attacks. Let's give you more power. Like, well, that, that's not really the kind of person who probably needs the additional power. <laughs> so I have no idea what easy mode is like in this game, and I can't even imagine. Like, I, I don't know all the changes, but I do know that the item caps go um, are, are usually tripled. So from 10 <laughs> mushrooms goes up to 30 mushrooms. From 10, uh, uh, 5 croc colas, it goes to 15 croc colas. But I, wow. I don't know every minute detail about it. My uh, my girlfriend played this game 
on my switch uh, to write guides for another site besides RPG fan. Uh, so I, I, uh, I didn't get to play this game until around two weeks after it came out, but uh, she played on breezy mode cause she had guides to write. And I, I think my eyes popped out of my skull when she said, Oh yeah, you can have 30 of every mushroom. And I'm like, oh, well, what, what on earth? <laughs> <laughs> That's absurd. Uh, uh, Jimmy, I mean, you played these two back to back. Did the, I mean, I mean, I'm sure that maybe your muscle memory was better for the remake cause you had just played the original, but did it feel just easier in general? Uh, you could definitely tell a um, difficulty difference. That was probably the biggest difference in the two is how much easier um, the remake is. I have, I mean, playing with a seven-year-old, um, I have a little bit. <laughs> that's never an issue for me um, when I'm playing games with her. Um, like, the easier the better sometimes because um, I just don't want there to be any frustration. I just want us to have a good time. Even with her, I think it felt a little a little easy at times. Now, I mean, uh, Zach might have a skewed view of this because he's uh, been playing seven From Software games back uh, back to back. But I, I, <laughs> I, I think that there is value in a challenging game, but also value in a breezy game. Because, I mean, uh, speaking of back to back, a few months ago, I played uh, Rhapsody, a musical adventure and Bloodborne back to back. And I, I could, you could not have a wilder swing in tone and difficulty. But I, I enjoyed both of those games for very different reasons. Bloodborne had this uh, had frustrating parts, but extremely the challenge felt extremely rewarding. And Rhapsody was a very easy game, but it, it also just felt cozy because I was just enjoying letting the game wash out, uh, wash over me. And the funny and cute and amusing parts of the game were, uh, stood up, stood stronger. And I think that Mario RPG is just a very cozy game, like the. Uh, the stakes feel real, but they're about wishing stars and not, you know, world annihilation. Um, the, the characters are so expressive and fun. Um, I, I think Mallow and Gino are great. They are, they are excellent side characters in the sort of canon of, um, of, uh, of uh, the characters uh, Square made over the years that have become uh, beloved worldwide. But I, <laughs> I think we, we mentioned this before recording. I think this is the game that invented Bowser's modern personality. <laughs> Because before Mario RPG, he was just a bad guy who, who would kidnap Princess Toadstool and um, was maybe slightly face faceless or but 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 closer to like a, a, a just an evil dinosaur closer to a Godzilla than to this very funny, very silly, but also communicated to be very powerful character that he is in Mario RPG. Super Mario Kart had playable Bowser well before Mario RPG did, but. I don't think I, I think that Bowser was still kind of a mean bully compared to uh, this this sensitive soul that is uh, a that, that has the very amusing tears hanging off of his eyes animation <laughs> that, that they mercifully kept for this game. Um, and and uh, but and also, frankly, uh, Bowser in the Paper Mario games and the Mario and Luigi games after feels similar to the Mario RPG Bowser uh, is I mean. Am I wrong here? This is this is this yeah. is the game that created modern modern Bowser. Bowser is the best character. <laughs> He's so fun. Um, I mean, I just like the way that they like sort of wildly vacillate between it. You can kind of feel them in this version, like playing with the persona of Bowser or Koopa, as he was mostly known before this. No, he in Japan he's uh, Bowser's an American invention. Uh, he's yeah. Koopa, he's Koopa King or Koopa in uh, in. Oh, Japanese. it's cool. I guess. Yeah. Um, but I, I think uh, I think it's super fun. And I agree. I think that all the characters here 
are really delightful. Um, in particular, I think Gino Malo and uh, Bowser. Uh, and, uh, and to flip back to your difficulty thing for a second, I I, I agree with you. Like uh, just because you know, I'm, obviously, I'm I'm in the midst of playing a lot of very difficult games right now. But um, I, I think that difficulty should be a game design decision. And here, like easy difficulty feels like it is absolutely part of what it's trying to be. Um, and if it was like some absurdly challenging game, even if they put a hard mode in, I think it would feel wrong or weird. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I should correct myself. I mean, he he is he is Koopa in Japanese and referred to as King Koopa, but they don't say Koopa, they say Daimao, which is, you know, uh, Dragon Quest fans get it. That's a, that's a word for great demon king. But uh, uh, Jimmy, like, what are your feelings on Bowser in this game? Because I, I, I'm with Zach. I think he's personality-wise definitely the best character. Oh, he's definitely my favorite character in this game. Um, yeah, but you know, the kids especially, that's that's how they know Bowser, you know, that's what they've grown up with. So it fit right in with what all what a, there are already expectations of who Bowser is. It really was pretty spot on. And I should mention I, I do agree that Bowser is the most is the funniest character and has the most appealing personality. But I think my favorite character is Gino. I'm one of those guys that has sort of missed Gino over the last uh, 25 years. Um, we get just the idea of a, a a star falling from the sky, inhabiting the spirit, inhabiting a doll, and then um, sort of just being this cool, fast warrior. Gino is my favorite character in the game. He was my most most used character by the time I had all five in my party. My favorite party probably is Mario, Gino, Bowser. But you swap in to uh, excuse me, you swap in Peach when you need healing, or Mallow when you need elemental damage. But uh, yeah, th th that's my crew: Mario, Gino, Bowser. Mine too. I mean, especially in this version where you're not really worried about dying. You just want to push out as much damage as possible. And yeah, uh, and it's just fun uh, to just, like throw around like, um, you know, balls and chains. And uh, Gino's just like such a fun character. And there's a reason that I, he has like sort of the icon status outside of people screaming for him to be in Smash because he's just cool. He, I think we've mentioned this in previous con uh, podcasts, but Gino was uh, a mini game host in the original Mario and Luigi for the GBA. But in the DS remakes, or I'm sorry, 3DS remake, uh, they replaced Gino with someone else, which was a, a, a minor scandal among the niche niche fans in, uh, of that game. But I think that for a long time, maybe he was a trophy in Smash Ultimate. I'm not, I'm not really a Smash expert. Um, yeah, Gino, I believe so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gino and Mallow were basically confined to Mario RPG. Uh, and but but now they're getting they're getting recognized. And this game uh, acknowledges the original Squaresoft staff that made uh, 1996 Mario RPG. But this was published by Nintendo straight up and developed by Arte Piazza, which has uh, which is a company that's made a lot of um, remakes uh, over the years. They, they did the Dragon Quest uh, four, five, six, seven and eight remakes for uh, DS and 3DS, which are all great. So uh, and and uh, maybe we've been underselling us underselling it a little bit um this game looks beautiful it, it looks as good as a modern uh mario platformer like a new super mario brothers u or or, or, or maybe even a mario brothers wonder uh and it's, it's just it's like mallow and gino and the gang have never looked cleaner than this i noticed for the first time that uh uh th th that punchinello's eyes were sort of lower on his head than i for than uh, i originally thought <laughs> And, and like, like I, I was noticing details about this about the character models that I didn't recognize from the original sprites because of 
of just how crisp these models are. And um, and we mentioned it before. Uh, this is a really good Yoko Yoko early Yoko Shimomura soundtrack, and uh, she was involved in the reorchestrations um, of the music for the remake, uh, similar to how in Live Alive. Uh, I guess was, oh man, was that two years ago now, or was that just a year ago? I'm not sure. But when the, when the Live Alive remake dropped, uh, she was also involved in those new arrangements. And in the in Mario RPG, you can switch between the remix soundtrack or original soundtrack with just a, an option in the menu. And, the, and um, the new visuals, the new music, the option to go back to the old music. Excellent. Like I, uh, I, I think even if the animations throw you off a little bit, everything just looks and sounds gorgeous in this remake. I, I think that's going to, you know, draw more eyes to this than a, a, a less built from the ground up remaster would have done. No, I agree. I, I mean, I think that um, it, it it's not a game. Uh, if we think about like Paper Mario, like um, they're remastering Paper Mario, but I don't know really how you do it differently um, in any significant way. Whereas I don't really feel like, uh, well, I actually think, I mean, like Super Mario RPG was an amazing looking Super Mar- or, um, Super Nintendo game. Like it looked great, uh, but I don't feel like there's like a signature look to it necessarily. Uh, but in the way that there is a signature look to it, like they absolutely maintain that here. Um, while also, you know, it, it just looks like an incredible 2023 Nintendo RPG. Like those cutscenes are beautiful. The colors, uh, like those those little cutscenes that you get uh, when you're doing the triple attacks, um, just like there's just like so much verve uh, to the color and it just pops. Um, and it's just like so clean and so beautiful and it matches the tone of the game beautifully. I, I think it I think it just looks fantastic. Yeah, one thing I actually worried about a little bit was that, you know, in the original, just like some of the pantomime in the cut, like the little cut scenes they'll have is just so funny. And I thought maybe like a remake would kind of, I don't know, take away um, a little bit of that. Maybe like some of the charm of those, um, you know, Mario uh, jumping up and down or, you know, acting out what happened. I just think that stuff is just so great. But. I don't have any complaints about um, the updated visuals or the way everything was done. I think it's all, all positive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, may- maybe uh, in one way, this game breaks from the hyper fidelity of the rest of itself. Uh, they do replace some in engine scenes with more uh, pre-rendered cutscenes, but they're recreated quite faithfully and all look, look amazing. So like the two of you, I have basically zero complaints about how this game looks and sounds. Um, and, you know, we've mentioned them a couple of, a couple of times. Uh, uh, among the gameplay changes, triple attacks are one of them. They add a combo meter that goes up whenever you have a good timed hit. And once it's full, you can use a triple attack, uh, which is different depending on the, uh, uh, the characters that you have in your party. So I think there's six total. They, they don't use timed hits. They're very powerful, but maybe not game-breakingly powerful. I think they're just fun. Just uh, whenever you make a game, uh, you know, a little similar to Chrono Trigger without, uh, without you know, going too overboard with your homage, side-eyeing Sea of Stars and Cosmic Star Heroin here a little bit. Um, I, I, I always support it. Uh, the triple attacks are great. Um, and the animations are, are quite funny. Like, I, I really liked the Mario Bowser Mallow one. Where you, you you ride the the clown car from a uh, Super Mario World and then just rain fire lightning and cannon and cannonballs on the enemies. <laughs> yeah, I only saw that one once and I was like, this is fantastic. 
the Mario Gino Bowser one hits multiple times and then Gino boosts the whole team. Yep. So, so that was the one that that was the one that I was I would, I would always yeah that that was the one I would always try to use for bo- for boss fights. But the uh, the the, um, the Mallow Princess Mario one is a is a full heal. The Mario Princess Gino one is a barrier that gives you a a, a free defense on uh, for each character once. They're they're all fun. Um, I. And yeah, it's, it, it, I think that the additions that they made to the core gameplay are uh, don't really change what the game is and maybe make it a little too easy, but are far more positive than negative, unless you really care about the integrity of Mario RPG's difficulty, <laughs> which is which. And, and again, it wasn't a very hard game. It, in if you think that, I don't want to be your friend. Honestly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, maybe ask Zach about the Souls games he's played recently and not and not the Mario RPGs he's played right. recently. Yeah. I mean, I think that. Uh... They they just add to the over the top fun of it, right? Like it's like these these super absurd over the top, uh, uh, you know, triple attacks or whatever. Like it's just it's just fun. Uh, like I don't again, like I think it's all just fun. Um, and you mix that with like sort of the tone of the script, uh, which I I think is really expertly updated here. Um, most of what I know about the adjustments came from Alana because she was just sort of talking about it. But it was originally a, a Wolsey script, and they maintained a lot of it, but um, made some small adjustments here and there and it just it it's just like so so much charm and anything that makes it easier is just more charm and that's what this game is about yeah i mean i'm not a fan of difficult games at all um so you know more power to you on going through um all those from software games because that means you're you have way more patience than i do uh but as someone that just doesn't care for really difficulty in games is not an issue um, a lot of times I'll play games on the easiest difficulty setting or like story mode. Um, yeah, I have no gripes whatsoever about how easy it is. Also, I can find enjoyment in like breaking a game and making it too easy and <laughs> one shotting bosses and that kind of thing. So, yeah. You know, we could probably do an entire episode on difficulty in games. Uh, I, I, for one, think that um, uh, people rarely care about uh about character balancing and difficulty if the game if the rest of the game is good and it's consistently fun like i adore final fantasy tactics but there's a there's multiple broken characters and strategies in that game um people whine about tier lists and fighting games and want perfectly balanced difficulty at all times and that is they actually um, don't though because like if you think about like me- yeah, melee uh-huh. melee had totally unbalanced characters and that's still like everybody's favorite smash brothers the two exa- the two examples i was going to use were uh smash melee and street fighter 3 third strike because in, in third strike um uh, chun li ken and yun dominate the entire game but that is still the the game that gets the most play in certain uh, arcade scenes nowadays so like like i think people care way more about fun and style and content than about balance um but uh, but there will always be people that whine about balance a little bit because they just want i, I don't know they want every every choice to be a perfectly uh even dice roll or something but um i i think that uh, there's value in challenge and there's value in coziness this is a game that's more cozy than challenging um and i i sort of don't and uh, they even kept the gino world glitch which was uh uh, uh, basically, um, if you time um, Gino's uh, Gino World move perfectly, it deals nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine damage to uh, any regular enemy in the game. But uh, if you after, but when you're fighting the boss Exor near the end of the game, um, when you lower his shield, uh, Exor's heart or head or whatever 
uh, counts as a regular enemy and loses its boss status. So you can deal straight nines to Xor, Xor's <laughs> boss so fight. Fun. <laughs> yeah, um, but 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 and but they kept that glitch. <laughs> is the crazy thing. Like um, uh, and and uh, and and like the the Kulex boss fight was a little challenging for me in um in uh because I I fought it at sort of a low level, but they still the, the lazy shell is so busted. I, I whenever a character died from two hits from a crystal, I could switch in Peach for free, cast comeback. And Peach was invincible because she had the these uh the, these totally un- unbalanced equipment on. So it was, it, it I, I this game is sort of easy and sort of broken. But people that are complaining about that, I think, are playing. They should be playing a different kind of game. There yeah. are games that are for the challenge hounds and games that uh that pe- that you know people will never play because there are uh because they feel too easy whatever i think it's about expectations and this game either matched or exceeded my expectations for how fun and nostalgic it was absolutely i mean like i have some gripes with the game like i think the platforming is pretty frustrating most of the time uh like the six corridors you get in bowser's castle like none of them are fun (laughs) um (laughs) like there are things that i don't like about it but that's certainly not one of them yeah no, no disagreement here um so I, I think that basically all of us had a fun time with this game, but also uh, just had a, a very breezy time with this game. I mean, my total runtime was something like nine and a half hours or maybe I think maybe across 10 hours when did the end game challenges. Um, have you guys uh, beaten the final uh, post game boss yet? Nope. I did cool X like the uh, the 2D version of cool X, which yeah. I had to do at a much later level than you because uh, I didn't have that uh, that piece of equipment, at least or I just wasn't skilled enough. But um yeah, I I might, but like I I cleared it like an hour and a half before recording, so <laughs> I was like I I spent like two, ten hours in this game and like in like twenty four hours and I was done with it. So yeah, yeah. Well, I mean Zach alluded to it. The final uh, boss is a three D version of Coolex, who has uh, seized the power of three D for himself, uh, <laughs> it, it, and I think he uses basically the same attacks and strategies, just with a much higher HP and yeah. uh, and um and and damage. Uh, but it was it was quite manageable because, I mean, I went in with a combo of uh, 30 plus or something and I, uh, I I used all the rock candies I had and uh, it went fine. Like the um, it, it's nice that they gave some extra post game stuff to do, but it, it wasn't, you know, really game changing. And I and I'm still just baffled that they added an easier mode and not a harder mode, even <laughs> after beating the game. Because I, I think there would be value in, in both of those. But uh I mean, uh, that's how we felt about the game. Listeners, um, you uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably played one either uh, one or both of the old version or remake of Mario RPG. This game is a classic. It uh, the remake um, maybe uh, I think the remake highlights what was amazing about the original, but also maybe amplifies some of the things that are that are a little uh, <laughs> that are a little um, suspect of the original. But it, it's still it's still great. I mean, whether you think it's um it's worth a full price, uh, uh, excuse me, a full price purchase is um is completely in the eye of the beholder and uh, and and one's own value judgments of video games which i think are really skewed but that's a an entirely different podcast episode but um one question before we move into housekeeping and maybe this is low-hanging fruit maybe this is a little bit too basic for a podcast about uh retro video games what's one game can be nintendo can be square can be enix can be anything you want from at least before 2000 do you think deserves a remake this beautiful and this thorough? 
Dragon Quest V. All right. Uh, I mean, like we we know what it can look like, uh, even though the movie wasn't very good. <laughs> um, the PS2 version's okay, but it does not yeah. look as good. It does not look as good as Mario RPG twenty twenty three. And it's just like Dragon Quest V is a game that I think everybody should play. Um, and it's a game that I feel like isn't on enough people's radars. Like everybody says, like, oh, Final Fantasy VI, and I agree. Like, I would, I would love like a, a you know, an HD two D or whatever they call it, um, a version of that game. But a full blown remake of Dragon Quest V that does with like what this game is doing, I think, would be just fantastic. Um, and yeah, it's such a good game. Even though I like that they did the remake, the same group did the remake for the DS, right? Of Dragon Quest V. Mm -hmm. So uh, we know they can do it. So do this one too. Well, I was going to be the guy that said Final Fantasy VI. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm one of those. But um, so two that I would have said that have um, at least attempted to do this and were not nearly as successful, I would say, would be like Secret of Mana when they did their um, 3D remake. I do not like that version of the game at all the trials of mana remake from 2020 was quite good i uh, i had a a blast playing that but i've always liked trials of mana more than secret of mana um but i i i mean i've seen the secret of mana remake in action i uh not not examining on how secret of mana holds up uh to modern day that that remake was disappointing for a lot of people yeah, the other one I was thinking of was uh, Final Fantasy IV, um, the three D, the two D, three D DS version of that. Um, I actually think they kind of went <laughs> where the remake of uh, Mario RPG kind of makes the game a little too easy. I thought oh, the remake yeah. of four actually <laughs> makes the game a little too hard. Yeah. Um, the crazy thing about that is the battle speed meter is almost a difficulty slider. Because yep. the battle speed meter is at like three quarters or higher, then the enemies will get more t- more turns than you do uh, regularly. And if a, a battle's too hard, if you slow down the battle speed to like under half, it, things become dramatically easier. But uh, I, I found myself dying all the time in the past of the core when I played that game because like the dragon enemies and the Ginryu and Kinryu's were getting like three attacks from every time I had yeah. one attack. Yeah, that game was not tuned properly. <laughs> no. Um, my answer for this is, uh, I don't know if this is obvious or not. I, I think that um, uh, one game that does a lot of things very interestingly, but it is, it is almost too hard and too busted for me to want to play it again, is Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Um, I think that if that game got a really shiny remaster in the vein of a Link's Awakening for Switch or a Mario RPG for Switch, that... Uh, made the difficulty curve a little gentler and made everything just a little bit better explained then maybe i would actually finish zelda 2 for once for the first time in my life in, in the nes era i'm not sure there are more games that i attempted more and, complete, <laughs> and completely utterly failed at you know i've beaten that game a few times but and i actually i full disclosure it might be my favorite zelda game but it i have so many abandoned playthroughs of that game right around the time when you're running through the mountains i'm like oh i can't see i'm dying again and again and again and it's such an important game it did so many things that have been picked up on since then that i i I agree with you i would love to see a remake of it i would not object if the next big zelda game is a full-blown remake of one or two preferably two because i i mean i i I needed help with from uh from a guide to open two of the dungeons but i have beaten zelda one not even close to zelda two 
It's a tough one. Save state's help. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I recently finished the original Super Mario Brothers, and um, I was so embarrassed at myself at how many times I died in zone uh, three, range of zone three or four, because uh, I, I, was, I was trying not to use warp pipes. But I, uh, I eventually I'm like, I'm just going to use save states at the beginning of every level, because other, otherwise I'll pull my hair out trying to beat this game. Yep. Mario That's really drop, right. drops like a rock in the water in that game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but anyway, this is not a Zelda 2 podcast or a Mario 1 podcast or a Final Fantasy 4 podcast. Although, Jimmy, maybe you put an idea in my brain with that one. We'll see. We've um, podcasted about a lot of Final Fantasy games on, on Retro Encounter, but never four. Um, this was an episode on Mario RPG's remake, and all three of us had a great time playing it. Listeners, I hope you guys had a great time playing Mario RPG original or its remake or whatever you're playing. Um but this is the first uh, Retro Encounter episode of 2024, so uh, we have a lot ahead of us to look forward to. I gave, I dropped a bunch of hints on what uh, Retro Encounter had in its future last week in our um, year-end episode, so I, I can basically repeat some of those points here. Um, in, uh, in January, starting next week, we're doing two episodes on Moon Remix RPG Adventure, uh, which, uh, Zach, you're hosting those episodes, and Moon... I am indeed. Uh, Moon is a game with a lot of sort of clout and mystique behind it in a way that that was a game that I sort of heard talked about without really knowing what it was. And uh, uh, you're probably in the early stages, at least, of Moon. Um, Are you looking forward to talking about that one? Oh, I am. I actually haven't started it yet because we're recording this a little early. Um, So I I haven't started it at all, uh, but uh, I'm going to start it probably this weekend. And I actually know shockingly little about it except for that I want to play it. Excellent. I'm I um I'm not sure how close I am to playing it, but I definitely will be ready to listen to those episodes and probably edit at least one of them as as well. Uh, but um those moon episodes are going to be three ninety nine and four hundred one because they are bookending big episode four hundred. Uh, we're for episode four hundred. We're um borrowing the format of a popular game show. Um, for you Hane no Tora fans out there. Uh. And um, we're going to bring in so many special guests that I think the special guest credit is going to reach 17 or 18 people. So that uh, that I'm really excited. Uh, we have not recorded episode 400 yet, but we will soon. And uh, I look forward to sharing that with the world in a few weeks. But also in February, we have it mostly planned out. We're doing two episodes on Dragon Quest XI, Echoes of an Elusive Age, a game I played right when it came out and have not touched since. So with about... Oh, I don't know, five and a half or or, or so years of uh, um, of perspective. I I cannot wait to see how five and uh, a half years. Again. Oh god. Yeah, yeah. So it, it would have been it, um, North America. <laughs> it was uh, September of oh. 2018. I remember it came out on my birthday. Like I took the day off. I just uh, it makes me feel so old. <laughs> I I I remember um, I was playing Suikoden two for the podcast at that time, and I had promised myself. If I play Dragon Quest Eleven right when it comes out, I will never finish Suikoden Two. So I uh, I I didn't start it until about a week after it came out because I had to finish Suikoden Two first. Um, but I have no regrets because both Suikoden Two and Dragon Quest Eleven are absolute classics. Yeah, that's and a, uh, that's a one-two and, punch, right? There. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and now um and now uh we'll have both of those classics uh have dedicated episodes on the podcast. Uh, the lun the Lunar New Year is in February. And begins the year of the dragon. So uh, us having Dragon Quest eleven episodes um, in February is not an accident. We're doing a couple other dragon-themed episodes in March to continue the year of the dragon. Um, but I don't want to say exactly what those are yet. But uh, one of them might involve Ichiban Kasuga, and another one might involve a uh, you know a certain hawk. 
but uh, <laughs> but listeners, please look forward to Moon episode 400, Dragon Quest 11, and a bunch of other Dragon-y episodes um, over the next few months. If you want to reach out to us and ask us about Mario RPG or Moon or Dragons or anything else, you can email retro at RPGFan.com. You can also find RPG Fan on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, YouTube, Twitch, Threads, probably other places I'm forgetting. Always call either RPG Fan or RPG Fancom. Um, and another great way to interact with RPG Fan is our shop, RPGFan.com slash shop, where you can buy RPG Fan themed apparel, coffee mugs, phone cases, all kinds of other things, and especially our new book of reviews. There is a, uh, a book made by Hyperplay um, that released around 300 to 350 RPG Fan review single page cards um, in, a, in a single bound volume. Um, I have not received my copy yet, but it is on its way, and I cannot wait to uh, get that thing in my hands. Um, uh, and the uh, it ships from the UK, so it, but uh, they do ship internationally. So anyone across the uh, around the world can get their hands on over 300 RPG fan reviews in a big snazzy volume, uh, which is linked from RPGfan.com/shop. RPG Fan also has uh, two other podcasts besides Retro Encounter. There's Random Encounter every uh, other Monday about uh, randomness and what games the hosts are playing, as well as Rhythm Encounter every other other Monday about RPG music. Both of those podcasts, as well as Retro Encounter, can be found and reviewed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, however you listen to podcasts. Please give us feedback if you're willing to, especially if it's five out of five stars. But if you want to give us five-star uh, feedback as individuals and not as, a, as podcasts, let's tell the listeners how they can do so, starting with you, Jimmy. Uh, you can always find me on the RPG Fan Discord at Turner Based XP. Now, Zach. Uh, you can email me, ZachW at RPGFan.com. You can also find me on RPG Fans Discord at ZachW. And listeners, maybe you're used to hear me hearing me talking about my multiple Twitter accounts on these podcasts, but I'm officially trying to end my time on Twitter this month. So I will say you can find me on uh, Blue Sky and on Instagram as at Evoker for Dogs. Uh, Zach, Jimmy, I think we did it. Um, we uh, talked about how Bowser got a personality, how Peach got a name change, and how uh, Mario RPG is you know, still great. It's 27 years later? 27, wow. Huh. Yeah, I need you to stop. <laughs> I, I was born the exact same week that Zelda 1 came out in Japan, so uh, if it, I have many, many ways of feeling old <laughs> in a video game context if I want to. Uh, listeners, thank you. Good night. And good luck.